Hello, and welcome to Clock Spinning, the podcast of Magic's history as told card by card. I'm Austin, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Connor. How are you tonight, Connor? I'm doing pretty great. I've got a, a big old lollipop that I got at Disneyland a few weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> I'm still working my way through, so... It's just sitting there taunting me. Okay, that's a that's a curveball. That's not very uh, podcast friendly, though. Snack. No, I'm I'm trying to keep it away from the mic, but it did. Ha- it had a little situation with the cable on my microphone. So. Oh no. You know, the longer it sits there, the more dangerous it becomes. Anyway, I'm good. <laughs> Today's episode I'm pretty excited for. We uh you know, we talk about the art on cards all the time, especially in the Kamigawa set review we've been doing. There's a lot of really wonderful, weird, sometimes gross art uh that we can spend a lot of time gazing at and and talking about on the show. Yeah, and a lot of cards that are only worth talking about for their art too in Kamigawa block. Yeah, yeah. They they don't have a lot going on beyond the art. So we just figured we'd do an episode zeroing in on just art. And take a look at cards in Magic the Gathering that have gotten the most unique art over the years. So we're looking at cards that have had many reprints and many different uh, art versions given to them over time. Yeah, and today we're kicking it off with uh, with a real doozy. One of the most iconic and most reprinted cards of all time. The original Counterspell from all the way back in Alpha. So we're going to go through all, I believe it's 14 unique arts. Is that right, Connor? Yeah, 14 unique arts. And we're going to rate them on the trusty YouTuber S to F scale and also talk about why we like them, how they fit together, um, how well they express the idea of a counterspell. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Sound, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, it's, it'll be a uh, very nice visual break from uh, slogging through a bunch of Kamigawa. Uh, if you're new to the show, um, we always put a link down in the show notes to a Scryfall search to view all the cards. Uh, that's especially essential today. We are not going to try to describe all 14 of these zany arts because it'd be exhausting to listen to. So click that link or you can go to clockspinning.com where we'll link the YouTube video and we throw up an image of each card as we talk about it. So whichever way you want to go, but I would recommend pulling up some visual of these because uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of talk about how these things look. This is all about the art. Well, with that, should we just dive in, Connor? Start talking about counterspell, starting all the way back in alpha. Yeah, let's uh, let's counter some spells. All right. Well, our first counterspell printing is from limited edition alpha it is the mark pool original art um so if you're looking at it uh, we got a, a guy in a frilly green and yellow tunic uh and what i can only describe as a kind of a flaccid um failed mm. counterspell or spell casting i have this guy at a solid b uh i would say this is like a solid but unexceptional effort it's funny i like that it's pretty technically accomplished for alpha art i don't find it very aesthetically pleasing. It's not something I want to get a print of and hang it on my wall. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a strong start. This is a solid B. The, this counterspell is an A for me. I, I genuinely wow. love this art. Uh, but <laughs> flaccidity is the perfect word for it. I really love the expression on the face of this. He's, he's a really exquisitely dressed wizard. Like, this is a fancy coat, cape, collar situation that he's got going on. Yeah, he's got drip. Uh, in multiple places. He, he really does. <laughs> and, and the face that he's making as his spell is the spell he's trying to cast is turned into some kind of finger juice. <laughs> finger firework. Finger juice fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> finger juice fireworks. Uh, his face is just priceless. Uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of emotion packed into this. And it's it's funny, but also kind of he looks dismayed in a way that, you know, further accentuates the uh, placidity we keep alluding to. It's sad. And he's standing in front of a really sad background. Like it's just totally gray back there. There's some kind of castle 
way in the distance and a gray sky and gray fields and dead trees, like just a, a sad place for this very colorful wizard to be having a spell fail on him. I got to be honest. He just looks like he's he's dropped onto that background. I don't feel like this background and him are communicating in any way. Do you, th- do you think background came first and then uh, eventually this wizard just got painted onto it? Yeah, like maybe Mark Poole, like in a earlier era, had just painted this for like a, I don't even know what you would need this painting for, like a, a community, like a college uh, play backdrop uh, of Macbeth. And then he I just think, threw I this in front. <laughs> I think that's how a lot of uh, magic art comes into being, is it, it starts as <laughs> the backdrop or a piece in a play. It starts in 16 by 20 paintings for the background <laughs> of a play. And then and then they paint a guy in a green and yellow tunic on it. I do, I do think this card's funny. I like that it's funny. I like that it tells a little story in and of itself. I like his goofy skull uh, necklace. It's got a real kind of old, like AD&D vibe to it, like a oh, old school does. fantasy art. His hair too contributes to <laughs> yeah. that. What is his hair? It's kind of like a. There's a little bit of mullet and a little. It's kind of braided at the end. Yes. He's got this triple forked beard. Yeah, I love. I love that beard. Three little kind of worms just crawling out of his chin. You know, Connor, I'm, I'm starting to regret my B. I think you're right. This yeah, is an come A. Come on up. Come on up to an A. A for Alpha. All right, A for Alpha on Counterspell by Mark Poole. Wonderful. Okay, let's move to Counterspell number two by Alan Williams, uh, printed in Ice Age. For me, this is one of the weirder counterspell arts. Uh, Unlike the OG Alpha one, it doesn't really look like there's any magic being defeated or countered here. There's just kind of some magical sparkling going on on a completely like jet black background. What do you think of this one? I think it sucks. I had it as an E, but I'm actually going down to F as I look at it more. Oh, I, I really hate it. So there's a lot of things to hate about this art. Main thing I hate is that it's boring. Like it's just super bland. It, there's no real, there's nothing interesting in this art. There's no like gimmick that's interesting or attractive to me. Um, there's nothing like compelling. There's just nothing compelling about it. One, two, I don't get, as you said, any sense of a spell being countered or really almost anything happening here. She's just kind of holding her hand up and casting what looks like a really weak spell. Uh, and then three, I just, I can't get away from the fact she's dressed like an like 80s aerobic instructor in like a pinup calendar, like a calendar you would find in the back room of a garage, like a, a car garage in 1983. <laughs> well, you said there's nothing interesting or attractive about this art, but it sounds like you just described both. Uh, yeah, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's not doing it for me. <laughs> I don't know. There's just there's just almost nothing I like about this art. I think I'm just stra- a straight F the more I look at it. I, I just don't like it. Yeah, the uh, the aerobics outfit that the wizard is wearing seems particularly ill-suited to the set that this was printed in, which is Ice Age. What about this is, says Ice Age? Like that there's a little bit of blue sparkle? In the, like, yeah. Ugh. I don't think anything about it says Ice Age. And I... I really wonder whether this art, whether there was any connection between this piece and the card that it was eventually put on. It's got a slush art feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like this is just a uh, sexy wizard casting spell. Barely casting spell. Here's a, here's a card name with spell in it. Let's put it on that. <laughs> yeah, the flavor text here I also find pretty lame. The duel was going badly for me and Zor thought I was finished. He boasted that he would eat my soul, but all he ate were his words. Gusta Ebba's daughter, Jeldoran Royal Mage. Well, first of all, I don't get a Royal Mage vibe from this. So I don't, no, nothing about this is in harmony with the set, with one another. Like, uh, double super thumbs down for me. F. I love that name, Gusta, though. Gusta, yeah. Gusta. Do you think I said that right? Gusta? Sh- sure. 
Okay, the only thing I'll give this is the text is, so the text of the alpha one was counters target spell as it is being cast, which I love. This one's text is counter target spell, and that is the text in every subsequent printing, and that's kind of cool. That is pretty cool. What's your rating, Connor? I've got this counter spell at a, at a D because it is like technically well executed, which you really can't say for everything on this list today. Mm-hmm. F, F feels a little bit too far. All right, I'll go back to some to of the e. other counter spells that we're going to see. <laughs> I'm going to land on E, but I'm not going high, higher than that. That's fine. Next up, an odd one. We have the DCI Legend Membership printing by an artist called Dom! Exclamation mark, who I'd never heard of until today. Dom! Dom! Uh, I really struggled with this one just because it was so far out. I hadn't even, I've never seen this card before. I've never seen this artist before. I've never heard of this set, the DCI Legend membership set before. So before I even try to rate it, let me explain what DCI Legend membership is because I was curious. So there's a great write-up of this on uh, the wonderful website, Magic Librarities, which you've never run across it. It's just a great website about rarities for magic, particularly very early magic. And apparently the very first instance of the DCI had two membership levels, the free mana membership and then the $30 Legend membership. And the Legend membership came with all of these perks, um, which... Incidentally, given how Wizards is today, I cannot believe how much you got for $30. Uh, So for your $30, you got this alternate art counterspell, an alternate art incinerate, a deluxe Duelist Convocation membership card with special full color design and a credit card styling, quote unquote, Hmm. a legend membership poker deck. So these are poker cards with a magic card back and normal poker front. Yeah, it's in this Libraries thing I'll link. It's amazing. A booster pack of Italian legends, a subscription to the Duelist Sideboard Magazine, and uh, this was never actually issued, but it's so hilarious to me that it was even considered. One commemorative 1997 World Championships limited edition prepaid phone card, which is <laughs> utterly baffling and hilarious to me. <laughs> what does that mean? I, I think like a prepaid phone card, like you would use it like a... Um, you know, you would dial a collect number or you dial from a payphone, and then you could use it to pay for phone But calls. it's just, it's a prepaid card that just like says. I, apparently these, no one ever actually received these. I don't know what, like <laughs> what? maybe the thinking was that you would use it during your travels on the pro tour. I have no idea. Wow, that's amazing. So anyway, I think all of this is amazing. I highly encourage everyone to look at this page because it's truly wonderful. Uh, okay. All right, so that's uh, the DCI Legend membership. Uh, the art itself, I don't know, it's kind of a D. It's one of these things that's sort of inoffensive, but not compelling to me. So, it, you know, you got this lady bending backwards, bending an arc of magic. I actually kind of like that. There's a real sense of motion here, um, a real sense of like, physics, you know, to the way everything's twirling around and moving. Um, it continues the tradition, which we've had, uh, we had started in Ice Age and we will continue for many, many cards to come of having no background and no sense of place, uh, which is super lame. So I don't know, I'll throw that in a blender and I come out at a D. I don't hate it. I don't love it. It just exists. See, this is actually offensive to me. I see nothing to <laughs> Why? Like about this art. <laughs> the pose is extraordinarily awkward and not very well executed. The background, as you mentioned, is, I mean, it's, there, there is no background. It's just blue, like sky and a barren dirt floor, I guess, with no real texture to any of it. Where is she supposed to be like standing on top of a like sand dune, maybe against a perfectly blue sky? I have no, I was so confused by this because it looked to me almost like she was getting knocked over by a wave because mm. the, the contrast between the white spell and the blue background is I mean, I I say contrast, but it's really more of a, a 
like slow transition between them that makes it look like a wave is cresting and about to knock the wizard over, I guess. You know, now that you mention that, she doesn't really look like she's winning this exchange. Now you mention that. No. And, and she doesn't, to me, look like she's countering a spell even. She's more kind of diverting it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is a different card effect. Like changing targets is something else. We're talking about countering, fizzling, getting rid of the spell. This is a, a total miss for me. F. The artist here, Dom, I couldn't find any information because their name is extremely hard to Google. Only three other cards. We have this counterspell, uh, and then we have three cards from Mirage. Incidentally, this card has a real Mirage vibe to it, art-wise. It's got a kind of African vibe. Uh, and then we also have Psychic Transfer, Tombstone Stairwell, which is a weird card I recommend looking up, and Spatial Binding. Uh, and that's it. Those, those are the only cards Dom ever did. He is not missed by me. <laughs> Dunking on Dom. Okay, let's move to our next counterspell, which is from 5th edition with art by Hannibal King. And I have a real soft spot for this art because this is the only counterspell that I own. This 5th edition one. I love how sad this wizard is. Um, he looks just really, really down downcast about his spell, which honestly to me looks pretty innocuous being fizzled what what is his spell here like a snowflake yeah it's like he's just trying to summon a snowflake and and it gets countered i'd be pretty sad about that too i'm a c on this i don't find the technical execution here or the material particularly impressive like i find this kind of boring but it is funny uh kind of like the mark pool one i feel like it gives across this kind of flaccid uh story a little bit uh and his facial expression's funny and it's goofy and, and silly and i like it i don't really know why he's green yeah, but I, I like that too. It, it somehow, like his his facial expression is so dramatic and so over the top. Like his, his eyebrows are just reaching for the, like almost going up to his hat, uh, which is also <laughs> droopy and sad looking. <laughs> and he just looks so like completely defeated. I don't know why he's green, but it, it works for me. Yeah, he does look quite put out. This Shouldn't this have been the Ice Age art, by the way, Connor? Yeah, it uh, it would be a pretty good fit there. But he can't make yeah. the ice. That's true. Well, no, I mean, but the, he's still trying to do icy things, which are a huge part of the culture of that yeah. era of Dominaria. Yeah, yeah. But then who's going to uh, fight Zur? Yeah. If not Gusta Ebba's daughter. Yeah, I know. So you're an A on this? I'm an A on this. Okay, that seems a little high, but I'm sticking to my C. Okay. Okay, next up, we have The Tempest Printing by Stephen Daniel. This is a an F for me. Um, an easy, easy F. The, uh, this card is so stiff and so awkward. Like, I feel like the face and the pose here are among the most awkward pieces of art in the entire history of magic. Uh, his face is like a photo, but his posture is like a, um, I don't know, like something outside of a, he lo- the whole thing kind of looks like something outside of a spirit Halloween store or something. <laughs> like there's a cheapness and a stiffness that's like a mannequin and like a Halloween tableau. The stiffness, kind of the opposite of flaccid. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, (laughs) I got, I got to have some love for what I agree is like such an awkward piece of art. I I think that the comparison to like a a Halloween monster, like animatronic thing you'd put on your front lawn to scare children is perfect because this, this wizard looks like he would just, he would rotate at the hips and his, his arms would sort of move up and down as he's, I guess, getting his spell countered. But what this really reminds me of is that you must die meme from that Zelda CDI <laughs> game, Zelda the Wand of Gamelon. Yes, yes, you dare bring light into my lair. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what's happening in this counterspell. So I, I kind of love it. And it's, it, it's 
the art is this weird. Are you sure you're not rating Zelda Wand of Gamelon here with your B? I mean, I'm definitely bringing that in to give this extra credit. Okay, sorry, please continue. It, what's interesting to me about this art, other than its awkwardness, is it's definitely kind of a less than the sum of its parts situation. <laughs> the background looks good and no, it doesn't. almost photorealistic. No, it doesn't. I mean, okay, as just perfectly rectangular blocks of stone, they, it's well rendered, right? I know, but there's no perspective. There's no depth. It's just viewed it's, completely okay. straight yes, on. Yes, but if it's just a straight it's on like something flat from a wall, tile catalog. But hear me out here. It, it, it's as something from a tile catalog. It's good, right? <laughs> the lighting is pretty well done. The anatomy yes, okay. makes sense. The hands are well rendered. Yes. And as we saw in the original Counterspell by Mark Poole, hands are hard. Like everything makes sense here. It just it comes together to make this horribly awkward, uh, like super, super stiff, weird piece. I, I feel like you're setting the bar super low by saying like the hands are done right um, and nothing is offensively off about it. I, I But I, I mean, the bar is pretty low with the art for this well, card. But I feel like let's contrast this with the Hannibal King piece we just talked about with the falling snowflake. Like that one brings across is almost the same pose, right? It's like a very similar pose, similar story. But that one has like a even though it's more um, kind of sketch like and less photorealistic. It has much more of a sense of motion and musculature and like a real physical being. This one to me is just, it doesn't look, it doesn't look like this guy's ever moved or is capable of moving. <laughs> That's kind of what I like about it. <laughs> I think it, it takes, right. it takes sort of a, a special, like go all the way around and get back to it kind of skill to make, <laughs> make, make a human form that looks so incapable of movement. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll stick to my F, but you can okay. give this I, a B. I have it at a B. I'm going to come down to a C to make you feel better. I feel so confident. You could you give this an S and it wouldn't budge me. <laughs> it's it's not reaching there, don't worry. Okay, next up we have a counterspell from Mercadian Masks by Gao Yan. Uh this is fine. It's I guess a a mer folk um having a spell fizzled which is a little confusing because the flavor text, I think, based on your research, is a merfolk talking about someone's spell being countered. It says, your attack has been rendered harmless. It is, however, quite pretty. Surprising vizier. So I'm not really sure what the story is that we're supposed to be seeing in this counterspell. Well, so first, this card has an uphill struggle for me because it's from Mercadian Masks, which I think the entirety of Masks block and the Masks plane are lame. So just seeing like, a quote from the Saprazans. I don't, they're from the city of Saprazo, apparently. I don't care. I read the first article or first sentence of the wiki article and then I closed it because I just couldn't, couldn't be arsed. This art is weird. I don't know how to feel about it. It's very technically accomplished. I love the kind of soft pastel color palette that this has. Uh, the like gentle brush stroke, the, the lighting. Like, I think this is very technically well done, but I just, I don't know. I, it's so, it's so confusing that I don't really know how to feel about it. It's like she's a kind of Padme Amidala, but with fish fins behind her head and then a gigantic bush of like, is that her hair? That that is, is that a, a headdress? That's the part of this card that uh, bothers me the most is whatever that hair situation is going on back there. It does. I mean, it doesn't look like hair, but it's not really a headdress. It doesn't even really look connected to her head particularly. Maybe she's underwater and her hair is like floating in the water. Oh, that's interesting. My other objection is I don't really feel like this looks like a counterspell. Like if this was called, if this was divination, 
or like a card draw spell, I think I would get it more. I feel like the good counter spells, which I promise they're coming. Keep listening, audience. They're coming. Um, the, the good counter spells give a, get across this kind of kinetic energy, right? They get across this like action counter reaction, like push and pull, contest of wills. They get across something dynamic. And I don't, the, the action here is all her, right? I don't get a sense that she's, even the Stephen Daniel one that I just knocked, you at least get the sense of like, okay, this guy's, will this guy's lost out in a contest this one like it feels like it's just her doing something magical by herself that's interesting now that you say that almost all of the counter spells that we're going to talk about today actually are just like one subject with kind of not that much magic happening around them there's i don't think there is one that has a, a second figure they all focus tightly on one figure yeah that's 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 interesting i disagree a little bit on this on whether this kind of gives the sense of a spell being countered i think this would probably be better as like a divination effect like you said but she has these she has her hands outstretched and there's these bubbles kind of rising out of them which kind of to me gives a sense that the spell is fizzling as it's cast hold on no before you say i don't want you to buy it i I'm going to count down and I want us to answer a question on three. Do you think she is the perpetrator or the victim of this counterspell? One, two, three. Perpetrator. I, I guess that explains our disconnect on whether the spell is being countered. Well, and I think it all across why this isn't very effective. I'm glad you said that too, because we kind of have a mix here of art where the subject of the piece is very clearly having the spell countered. That's the original Alpha Counterspell. That's the fifth edition one we just looked at, the rigid Stephen Daniel one we just saw. Like, There's some very clear spell countering that happens. And then, spoiler alert, as we get further on into uh, more modern counterspells, it kind of turns into a situation where we're looking at the wizard who I think is doing the countering. Oh, that's such a good point. This is actually... Well, this one's ambiguous, but even if this one is the victim, this is the last one where we're not focused purely on the person who's countering the spell. Every printing after this focuses on the person who's doing the countering, which I think is the right choice, right? Counterspell is a powerful spell. You want to feel powerful when you cast it. You want to put yourself into the art, you know, not as the victim, I think, but as the person doing the thing. Hmm. I like that. So maybe maybe this counterspell is the turning point between the victim of the counterspell. Yeah, with its ambiguity. This yeah, this one's ambi- ambiguous. You can't quite tell which one she is. Uh, and then we we move into a bright future where uh, we get to see the victorious counterer. Hmm. Hmm, I like that. The artist here, Gao Yan, uh, has just a bare handful of pieces. I think nine, um, a couple others in masks, couples in Nemesis, and then a few in Portal Three Kingdoms. And this is, I think, the first card we've talked about that's available in foil. And boy, will that set you back at 165 US dollars. Oh, wow. Yeah. Even for this counterspell. I know. Wow. I, I think it's just the swag of like first foil counterspell. Yeah. With the really weird art. What's the rating here, Connor? I'm at kind of a C for this one. It is pretty. I like the color palette. I like kind of the aesthetic of the the spell being cast or fizzled i like the the glow of the light but it's just not very interesting like this is a, a card where if it was not counterspell i would just immediately like flip past it in a you know box of old rares in a game store <laughs> yeah you would you would forget that you'd ever seen it yep. i think yeah i'm a d on this just because i don't I feel like technically I really respect it. So that saves it from an F or an E, but it doesn't do an effective job telling a story. It doesn't feel like counterspell to me. It's just kind of forgettable. All right, let's go jump to seventh edition uh, with a piece by Mark Romanos. Uh, so this is one of the iconic counterspells in my mind, not necessarily because it's good, but just because I feel like I've seen it a lot. And as a kid, like when I first started playing magic, counterspell was this sort of iconic 
thing drifting out there. And I couldn't really get my hands on one very easily. Like I think I had one from Ice Age I ran across somewhere. I had, you know, maybe maybe I had the fifth edition one, like you mentioned. And then this thing, I would just see. This was like the most recent counterspell printing because of course, after this, we go on a massive counterspell drought where we don't see counterspell printed again for another like five or six or seven years. Um, so this was the most recent counterspell printing for a long time. Uh, the Artier, I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, the floating meditation guy, like I definitely get the idea that he's deflecting some magical effect. It's weird that there's three colors and I kind of want there to be five colors, like the five colors of magic. Like to me, this just feels like a, uh, I don't know. It's got all the kind of basic ideas, right? But I don't just don't love it overall as a piece of art. So I'm like a, I'm a C. I don't know. I don't have strong feelings either way. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, but I don't like this one at all. <laughs> How much do you dislike it? Again, no real background, just some sort of sparkly stars, which is a step up from most of the backgrounds we've seen. Can I just note, we have not seen a bar- background since Alpha, and we won't. <laughs> so our background here is just some stars. I'm not going to count that. The ground- Don't forget some boring stones. The, yeah, the ground is barely there. He's floating above it, so it doesn't even- <laughs> really matter it i think i might like this better if he was just sort of floating in space instead of six inches above more stones i don't really get the sense of any spell being countered here like i would only associate that effect with this art if someone told me that that's what's happening i think if i just saw this art i would assume it's like a protection spell like a color-based protection spell or some kind of aura, or enchant creature as it would have been called back then. But what bothers me the most is that the symmetry here, at least of the figure in the middle of it, is just overwhelming. And I've I've commented before on the show with uh, some of the art we've seen in Kamigawa that I just do not like straight-up symmetry in, in card art, and it's just overwhelming here. Yeah, I can I can allow all that. So what, what's your rating? This is an F for me. Yeah, I, I don't know why I'm a C. I think I'm going to go down. I'm going to drop all the way to E, Connor. Oh, wow. I, I wonder if part of it is just the nostalgia or the, you know, this is like the iconic counterspell for you. And as you were saying that, I realized I don't really, yeah. I don't feel like there is an iconic counterspell to me. Like, I can't think of none of these these images when I saw them, you know, for the first time in a long time as we were getting ready for the show. None of them made me think, oh, yeah, that's the counterspell for me. I'm glad you said that because I feel the same way. And that's not true of a lot of cards like, I don't know, Terror, Swords to Plowshares, Doomblade, Dark Ritual. Like, I, there are a lot, Lightning Bolt. Like, there are these standout printings where I'm like, I hear them and they pop into my head sort of instantly. Yeah, almost all of those that you listed just now. I, like, I immediately had an image in my mind. I, I have that sort of with the Eternal Masters one that's coming up. And there are some very good pieces coming up later. But yeah, there's none of these that are kind of like, that was the counterspell art that got printed a whole bunch of times and is locked and burned into my brain. You know what I mean? I think it feels like they kept changing the art, right? We have lots of arts here, not just from reprint sets recently, but just throughout Magic's history, because it feels like maybe Wizards knew they hadn't nailed it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, they just had to keep coming back to the drawing board. Okay, well, let's uh, let's move on to another not very iconic <laughs> counterspell art. Uh, this one is from Dual Decks, Jace versus Chandra, back in 2008 uh, by Jason Chan. And it, it features Jace very heavily, countering a big oh, gout. Oh, there's a lot of Jace in this <laughs> art. There's a lot of Jace. He's countering this big gout of fire magic with a blast of, of water. And I got to say, like, this is very technically accomplished you've got this really realistic fire being countered by equally realistic water they're they're meeting in this sort of 
spray of of steam and and just really dynamic feel to this art. And I think both of those are really, really difficult things to do. I don't know what exactly the medium was that was used here. And I'll note without looking egregiously digital either, which is which is hard. Yeah, it looks good. And then you have Jace just kind of derping it up in the middle of all of this. <laughs> I think I know where this is tending. I feel the same way of like, I... I don't want to be one of those people who complains about the Gatewatch. I'm really not. But I just, I don't like Jace as a character. I find him bland. I find him like way too capable. I find him way too moody. I just, I find him just really tedious. And so I feel like if if you could do a version of this that has like just a generic blue mage. Uh, actually, if you could do a version of this with uh, the original Mark Poole guy, but now he's winning the Counterspell <laughs> War, I would love that. Does he um, still have the figure juice? He, no, no, he doesn't need it. He's winning, but he's wearing the same costume, but in this photorealistic style. Yeah. I think that would be amazing. But anyway, I just, yeah, I'm kind of with you of like, this card is amazing if it didn't have Jason in it, but having Jason in it really kind of ruins it for me, to be honest. I'd kind of love to see an altar of this featuring the the stiff Tempest on a spell just right in the middle, just completely eclipsing Jason. I might badly Photoshop that later. I, I would to love see to see that. Please do. I also want to read the flavor text on this counterspell, uh, which is almost no, almost too cringe for me to read aloud, but I'm going to try. The pyromancer summed up her mightiest onslaught of fire and rage. Jace feigned interest. This feels, feels like watching a scene from Inception, like just so. <laughs> So over serious, so like full of itself. I just can't. It feels like I'm ashamed to admit this, but I was like 12. I would do like text-based role-playing on the RuneScape uh, members forums. Oh, and it yeah. feels like something I would have written when I was 12 on the RuneScape members forums. <laughs> that takes a lot to admit that. Yeah, I know. Thank you. Um, I'm a B on this because I think this, this at least to me is the first card to really get across a feeling of power, like the potency of counter spells. It can counter even the mightiest spell and that's cool and powerful. And so I feel like at least this card gets across that, even if it has to stick Jace in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I don't know. It's still a C for me. There's not a real background in this one either. Nope. (laughs) Jace, even if it was just a generic wizard in the art instead of Jace, I Still think it'd be around a C for me, just because it's, I mean, it's really, really technically well done, but just not that interesting. I, I will say, I don't, we shouldn't rot, over-rotate on Jace. Like, it's called the Jace versus Chandra dual deck. Like, Jason Chan had no choice. He had to put Jace in here. That's that's true. But I'll accept your C. All right, let's go to Zach Stella's rendition from Eternal Masters. Uh, I'm a solid B on this. I find this art a little bit corny, but I feel like it just gets the point across. And for me, if there is an iconic counterspell, it might be this one. I feel like this thing is just run around everywhere for a long time. It shows up in lots of cube pr- cubes is kind of the default printing. It might have shown up in like MTGO cube. I'm not totally sure on that. But like to me, this at least is kind of simple, iconic, highly reprintable art that gets across the idea of a counterspell. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I, I think it's a B. I think it's it's a solid effort. So I can't really speak to how like prevalent this this art or this printing is in particular, but for me it doesn't really get the point across. Like for me, looking at this counterspell, what I see is uh, a guy floating in the air, surrounded by a firework hula hoop that does not have anything <laughs> to do with countering a spell. Like he's just he's just kind of exploding with blueness. Like what's the countering happening here? 
Um, I mean, I think the exploding blueness is is the the way in which he's countering. He's rejecting some external. Fo- yeah, okay. But we can't right. even see it. We don't even know what he's countering. No, you're right. You're right. This is the most reprinted counterspell art. If I ignore a bunch of weird foreign printings of uh the Mark Pool one, this is actually the most reprinted counterspell, and I think that supports my iconic point. Yeah, but I mean, it's just sort of iconic by quantity, and I I mean, I can't I can't argue with that. But yeah, hmm. okay. I don't right. really feel like fighting you on this one. What's your rating? Okay. Uh, this is uh, an E for me. Okay. E and B. We'll just be far apart. Whatever. Okay. We've got an exciting one coming up here. Moving even more into the modern era, we have Chase Stone's rendition of Counterspell from, I, I can't really call that a, a set. It's from Amaket. It's in the invocation frame, which looks amazing. And I actually had to look at the art crop of this without the frame so that I wouldn't be too biased by that invocation frame. And I kind of liked it better there than I did looking at the full card. For me, kind of from a distance, the wizard's pose in this art looks a little bit weak, like she's just kind of half-assedly raising one hand in the air. But looking at it more closely somehow makes her pose seem more powerful to me like she's kind of striding forward with purpose and can't be bothered with this silly lava falling on her head so i'd encourage you to look extra close at this art because there's something about the the pose and the the movement of the figure in this art that uh is kind of hard to see from a distance yeah no i and i think if anything the kind of casual rejection of this like gout of flame dropping from the sky on her like i feel like it again this one finally gets across the sheer power of counterspell really effectively right like she's not having to devote a great effort to this she she can just throw up her hand and create this huge magical bubble and uh defy defy the lightning unlike the firework hula hoop which looks like it's taking (laughs) everything that that guy had So I, I have very mixed feelings about this. I really like the composition, to your point. I love the um, kind of strength of the figure. I like the simplicity of this. And yet there's a background. This is one of like literally two printings of Counterspell that actually takes place in a real place. This is kind of our first background. Like this is powerful. I, the one thing about it is it's super digital. And I think it's a little too digital for my taste. Like pyramids in the background, we can't see them super well. But when I zoom in, they honestly kind of look like just a 3D render that's been dropped in the background of this. Uh, she looks like a photograph. Like I, I don't mind it exactly, but it's almost like a digital collage. Uh, and that does undercut it a little bit in my mind. I don't, I don't mind that too much. There's something about quite a few of the invocations that have this like I, I don't even know how to describe the the art style like almost washed out a little bit or faded and I don't know if that was an intentional stylistic thing with the invocation art but I wonder if it was even like a color treatment to just yeah you know affect how they look in the frame yeah I, I wonder about that so what where are you on this thing oh um this is this is a b for me it doesn't quite reach up into the the a or s range i wish that the the gout of lava was kind of more dramatic it, you know this sort of looks like a, a dragon was just maybe like coughing a little bit or drooling <laughs> so she had to put this bubble up to not get drooled on by a dragon like the, the spell she's countering doesn't seem that powerful which makes her counter spell not seem as epic as it could have been I'm a C, although I think you're a little hard on the opposing mage here. I feel like this looks like just flame pouring from the sky. So I'm impressed by her magics, less impressed by the digital, uh, heavy digitalness. So I'm, I'm going to give this a C. Okay. All right. Let's go to Olena Richards' uh, uh, rendition for the English Strixhaven archive printing. There's also a Japanese one coming up in a second. All right. I'm just going to, before I even talk about it or about why, this is an easy S rank for me. This art is amazing. 
So I told you to stick with us. We're going to prove why in these last four printings. As down as we've been on a lot of the last 10 printings, the remaining four are all bangers. I love the colors in this art. I love the way it complements the yellows with, um, in that Strixhaven Mystical Archive frame. I love the way this like leans super hard into being abstract. It looks like it comes from an ancient religious scroll or something like this. The hand turns into a mountain, which in turn fits into a larger landscape. It's all surrounded by these kind of geometric clouds and a sort of halo of divine power or something like this art is amazing i love this art yeah it, like so many of the other mystical archives printings this looks like it came straight out of like a medieval illuminated manuscript like it's just it's it's glowing even looking at it on the computer screen it's just beautiful and i've complained a lot about symmetry but this card does it perfectly for me the overall composition of this is symmetrical you know it's a, a hand positioned over a circle in exactly the center of the frame, but the details of this art are not symmetrical at all. If you look at the background, uh, there's all these different swirls of, of kind of clouds and different geometric shapes that aren't symmetrical. That kind of mountain that the hand is positioned on is all kinds of different interesting shapes, and so is the, the background that it's going down into. So even though the overall picture is this pleasing symmetry, all of the details are kind of carefully done in a way that is not symmetrical in the way that bothers me. Yeah, I also love, and a lot of this just goes down to how they treated uh, Mystical Archive, but I love that this art is not blue at all. It's 100% yellow. Yeah. Um, there's yellow and a teeny bit of pink in the hand. There's almost no other colors in this whole thing, or there are no other colors in this whole thing, but it really, really works. Uh, it looks like it still somehow looks right as a blue card, and somehow it gets across Counterspell, I guess, just through the power of the hand. Um, it's like hard to say why, but you just look at this and yeah, it, it works. It gets across that it's... Uh, that kind of energy of interdicting something. It's saying, nope, beautiful. This is an easy yes for me too. I feel like this could go in a fine art museum, honestly. This is just a really amazing piece of art. Maybe uh, pick one up and, and put it in put it in your own museum. My personal archive. Your, pers your personal mystical archive. Surprisingly affordable. I, I realized uh, going through this that my cube just uses this fine Eternal Masters counterspell and I feel like I got to upgrade, and this is a strong candidate. Yeah, by the time we get to the end of this, I, I hope you're ready to, to jump up to something fancier. Okay, so now we have the uh, Japanese Mystical Archive version of Counterspell by Rindo Karasuba. And this is a, a really interesting piece. I honestly wanted to like this more than I do. I think it's just a little bit too complex or a little too noisy for my taste. There's this same kind of circle of protection motif that we've been seeing in the last few cards but the the figure in the center of the circle really fills it up like there's a lot of flowing robe and tassel action that is kind of visually overwhelming to me what do you think yeah i, I think i wanted to like this is is perfect for this because i i love these japanese uh mystical archive printings generally i love the way they look like traditional japanese art like kind of in a, a kuyu a kind of vibe to it I, th and there's a lot i like about this like i like the strong circle in this like it's uh it's like a tondo um you know it's a round frame i love the way we've got this blue in the center and then this dark fiery orange around it and the way that the the chaos of that fire spell like almost seems like it's going to intrude on this perfect circle but it never actually crosses the line i think that's super effective but there's something about it i don't quite like i think some of it's the busyness that you mentioned of like it's hard for your eyes to know where to go here um there's just a lot happening it's hard to even notice that there's a figure here and also i kind of like there's there's like a restrained quality particularly to the central figure that i don't quite like like it 
the figure doesn't look affected or like they're working for it. There's not like this sense of motion and dynamism to me that I, I get from some of these other ones. Like if I contrast it with Amonkhet Invocation, right? There's like a sense of motion to that, a sense of action and reaction, um, which I think has come up a few times as a theme that, that's kind of missing here. So while I, I like admire it aesthetically, I, I can't I can't love it. And that may, bums me out because I feel like I, I want to and I just I can't get there. Yeah, it's. It's interesting, the, the English Mystical Archive printing, you mentioned that even though there's there's nothing blue about the art of that card and nothing really in common with happening. other counterspells that we've seen, nothing <laughs> really happening, it still works. Like it reads as a counterspell maybe because it's a big hand saying stop, but something <laughs> about it just, just works. Whereas this for me doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really read counterspell. Like I feel like this could be a, a wizard creature. It could be a protection spell. It could be a lot of different blue effects or maybe a blue and red spell. Yeah, it just doesn't doesn't quite stick the landing for me. Yeah, one of the really interesting things we're learning is it's it's sort of weirdly hard to get this right. I don't know why, but it, uh, even like obviously super talented artists like this, they don't quite nail it for me. Yeah, yeah. Even this, maybe the, the simpler the effect, the harder it is to to get art that really captures it perfectly. Uh, so I gave this an A. I, I still really like it aesthetically. It, it misses out on the S for me, but it's aesthetically strong enough that it's still an A. Yeah, I, ha- I had it at a B, but I think A is, I got to give it an A. I mean, it is very well done and a beautiful card, even if it doesn't quite read Counterspell. All right. Next up, we have Ryan Gies printing from MH2, mod- or Modern Horizons 2, I should say. This one, just off the bat, this is an A for me. Wait, did you do the last one or did I, Connor? Uh, I did. Okay, great. I'll keep going and I'll cut this out. Just off the bat for me, this is an A. Um, I feel like this card, uh, this art takes like the Zach Stella concept from uh, Eternal Masters and like just turns it up to 11. Like that one is is a little bit restrained. It's a little bit like, uh, it's not, why, why does this turn it up to 11 for me? Like, it's just so bombastic. Like there's so much energy flowing through this thing. The sense of power is so exaggerated. Um, the colors here are so intense, like purple and blue in neon, but also kind of lavender shades. Mm-hmm. Um, like I get kind of like a superhero vibe for this or like Fortnite. Like there's something kind of youthful and cool. I think there's even a hint of lens fair flare in the bottom right of this thing like i just love this thing there's just so much energy flowing through this art yeah i feel like this is the eternal masters firework hula hoop counter spell done right (laughs) i love the detail of it it looks like there's these little flecks of i don't know magic dust or or feathers or something that are in this big explosion of energy uh which to me reads as the spell that's being countered like dispersed by this explosion of magic like a bird like when a pigeon gets shot in a cartoon and turns into a puff of feathers exactly like when a pigeon gets hit with a counter spell this is what it looks like (laughs) Um, the the circle around this wizard kind of evokes those mystical archive printings we were just looking at but there's this distance between the edge of the circle and the focal point the wizard in the center of it that creates for me, kind of this impression of, of more power. Yeah, I love that's such a good observation. And there's also this kind of like supernova effect of several like layers yeah. to the spell, right? Like right around her, there's this tight nova ring and this bright blue thing. And then we have a second kind of fainter ring around her and a third fainter ring of pink beyond that. So you get this real kind of like progress. I think that's part of what gives it that sense of motion is that you can see the passage of time or the radiating out of this energy. Yeah. It's very cosmic. Yeah. Very, very, very cosmic. Um, Yeah. Which again, I think gives increases that superhero feeling to it. Good stuff. So you seem to like it or are you all the way up at S? Like where do you land on this? I mean, I had an A, but I feel like after everything I just said, I need to be at S. I can't really think of any reason I wouldn't be. 
Yeah, don't let me take it away from you. I, I'm an A on this. Not I, I'm. Why am I not quite an S? I think because there's there's an adventurousness to some of these other arts that I don't quite see here. But I, ah, you know what? I'm an S too. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like it, like relative to it feels stingy to go lower. It does, yeah, I don't know, but like relative to maybe what we're about to see with our last counter spell, like I, I just don't know if it's quite all the way there. Maybe S minus. <laughs> Yeah, S minus. I love it. New grade. All right, let's take it home with our final final counterspell of this episode by Matthias Manhanini. I think we've definitely saved the best for last year. This is my favorite. I love everything about this art. The the trippy background, this it's sort of splatty tomato juice looking spell that's being countered by just kind of an abstract prismatic wave. Uh, this expression and pose of complete disdain from the wizard. Uh, there's a stylistic contrast between the spellcaster and the spell. It's all just mwah, perfect. If we invented an S minus for the last one, I want to invent an S plus rating for this one. I'll allow it. I think this art is incredible. Like, I don't know if uh, Mateus here is like consciously channeling Therese Nielsen, but to me, this has the same kind of like oomph and sense of surprise and even shock that like the original force of will from Therese Nielsen does of like, this looks so unlike anything in magic. There's so much bold color in here. There's so, uh, there's so much kind of whimsy. There's so much comfort with abstraction and with like photo, almost not quite photo realism, but like a high degree of realism in her face and her figure and the way her body is rendered. And then like hyper abstract elements from like the Splatoon ink splotches Mm -hmm. to the kind of like, I don't know, almost like photo collage effect of the roses along the bottom. Like there's so much, so many styles are mishmashed here, but in a way that doesn't look mishmashy, it just suggests mastery. Like it suggests an artist who's super, super confident, who's confident in their voice, confident in their style, confident in their use of color. And like, it just, it just pops off the, off the card. It's an, just an awesome, awesome piece of art. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned color because there are so many more colors happening in this art than in pretty much any other art we've looked at in this episode and yet it still very much reads as a blue spell i had that same thing in my notes of like there is almost no blue in this if from the frame right a lot of cards get their color from the frame but this has just the faintest line of blue um around the text box and around the title and other than that it's all art and the art is i don't know probably only 15 percent blue right it's black and it's purple and it's red it's got green even in here but just this strong splash of blue in the kind of tidal wave that she's conjuring to counter the uh red splatoon ink it's just enough to to make it read really clearly as a blue card admittedly i think with a little bit of help from uh, Force of Will priming us to, you know, regard this kind of blue-red contrast mm. as a blue spell instead of as a red spell. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I also like that her her cape, she's wearing this like kind of feathered cape that appears to be, I don't know, a landscape. It's like it's like she's wearing a cape of the cosmos or something. Yeah, it's I it's there's so much about this is is so cool. There's all this detail, but it's, you know, never really clearly defined and still coming together in in a way that makes a complete picture. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now so I what, what's one. your rating, Connor? Uh, oh, easy. Easy yes. Coming up to our our theoretical S plus. <laughs> All right, let's let's end on an S plus and thank you uh, Mateus for giving us a great note to end the episode on. So Connor, before we get to the uh the closing of the episode, I I got to ask you, I- I'm running this terrible Eternal Masters counterspell. Which of these do I buy for my cube? Ooh, it's tough. I mean, just on value, I feel like it's got to be the the English Mystical Archives one. I really love this Mateus piece, 
But I feel like you could get you could pick up the Factor Fiction, which I know is also in your cube, from this secret layer drop, and then get the Mystical Archives counterspell and be happy having both of those. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I mind having two Mateus pieces uh, in my cube either. They're they're all pretty great. Yeah, I think I I think I'd lean towards the Mateus piece, but with a, a strong. I mean, the other possibility is just buy you know all three uh, and rotate them. There you go. What are you getting for your cube, Connor? You're you're in the midst of building a new cube. I am, and I don't think that cube is going to have any actual counterspell counter spells. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right, we'll come back to that another time. All right. Well, that is it for today's episode. And that means it's time that Connor and I don our capes of the cosmos and take up our firework hula hoops once again. Um, (laughs) I've been waiting to bust it out. (laughs) You can uh, follow the show on YouTube or in your favorite uh, podcast app. Uh, Please subscribe if you liked it. It really helps. uh, Make sure you don't miss episodes. Our schedule can be a little bit intermittent. And if you like the show, consider sharing it with a magic friend or in a Discord chat on reddit just text it to somebody it really means a lot uh, when we find people listening to the show comment or email let us know your thoughts and feedback which of these uh cards did we get right which did we get wrong what's your favorite counterspell art let us know next time we'll be picking it up probably with more betrayers of kamigawa Um, but until then i'm austin and i'm connor thanks for listening